0: Welcome to It's Better Here, the official podcast of the Producers Co-op. Whether you are out in the yard, the field, the pasture, or the barn, we have everything you need. It's Better Here. Welcome to the show. That's right. Welcome to the It's Better Here podcast. One year anniversary for Mandy, Joe, and myself. Pretty cool, right?
1: I can't believe we made it. Yep.
0: the first time you see me in a different shirt. So that shows (laughs) you how long we've been. On the air and not to give us too much credit but when we decided to have Horace on the show on Wednesday I couldn't help but notice it was this weird thing there was water coming out of the sky I wasn't sure what it was but it was a whole lot of it too so maybe Horace is good luck
1: yes it's been a while since we've seen some rain so it was a good day
0: absolutely we'll talk a little bit more about the winter anniversary but we're going to talk about something today that you've got a real passion for
1: Yes, we have done 12 of these now. I'm excited about this one. Horace is going to be great.
0: Well, people that don't know, that's your background. I mean, you grew up on a cattle ranch out in East Texas, and so tell us a little bit about Horace.
1: So Horace is here with us. He is the former GM of the co-op, but he also raises commercial cattle and shows gears. He's an expert on it in this area, and I'm excited to get to talk to him.
0: Well, we're going to talk to him, and we're going to do it all right after this. Hey, this is Jason. Don't forget to follow us online. Follow us on social media and sign up for the newsletter. And when was the last time you came to one of the stores? Well, doggone it, that's too long. We look forward to seeing you soon. And thank you for listening to the It's Better Here podcast. Hey, we're back. Take it away, Manny Joe.
1: All right, Horace, here we are. So it's a hard market out there sometimes. It's hard to be a producer in the cattle industry and the commodity industry. Last year was tough. What effect did that have on producers?
2: It was very tough last year. It was a very, very severe drought. The last bad drought we went through was 2011. That one was almost as bad last year. Herds were cut down. And I don't know, we've looked at some numbers that have been posted, and if those numbers are correct, uh, the overall United States uh, beef herd is cut down to the lowest in 61 years. So that puts us back to the 1960s. There's only 29 million mama cows left in the United States right now. The wild. Well, so you have some
0: obvious concerns about the the cattle inventory. How does it impact everyday people like myself who have to go to the store and actually look for things like steaks and hamburgers and things like that?
2: Well, with the inventory being that low and there's so many more people than there were in 1960, It's good for the cattlemen and the cowboys. We're very optimistic that these prices may hold where the cattlemen could finally make some money. But we need a little help from the weather. Like Mandy Joe, y'all talked about it. It rained, but it only rained a half an inch. We came off of a severe drought last year. We're in a severe drought again now. We need a little bit of help. We can't feed them. 12 months out of the year and expect to make any money. So if we can get some help, we're just so optimistic these prices could stay. They don't expect a herd expansion again until 2025. And I mean, these are the lowest numbers we've seen. I mean, we had a bleak jump up in 2014, May and June of 2014. We sold cattle coming right off the cows. that brought $1,400, $1,600. But it only lasted for about two months. This one feels like it could last for a while because, you know, Mandy Joe, you know, do it. If you have a baby heifer, it's going to take two and a half years before we can get a calf back out of her. So it takes a long time to put it back into production again.
1: Right. Herd retention and rebuilding and managing that is a long-term process, and especially right now with cattle prices high, inputs high. And right now, especially in our area in Texas, we're dealing with calving in a heat wave. Everybody's fighting that. How's that going at your place?
2: Calving in this heat. This year has been miserable because we've had (laughs) 23 or so days in a row, two times already now, of over 100 degrees. So we dare not even work cattle in the middle of the day. We try to feed or I try to feed in the morning, early before noon, try to feed late at night. Uh, it's miserable. I mean, I make two trips through a lot of these pastures where we raise these show calves, one at about three o'clock and one at about five o'clock, to make sure they stay under the shade trees. Because you know, if a baby calf sometimes the mama will leave him out in the sun, he's done for if he doesn't get to the shade. And and some of these are even where we have to actually clip a little hair off of the show calves, and that I know that's not real life, but there is more dead babies with this heat than what people realize. Some of these big ranches, they don't see those cattle but once a week, once every two weeks.
0: The heat is miserable. It really is. It sounds like it. You know, I wanted to ask you about this. You're talking about all of these ups and downs, the highs and lows. One of the questions I always have is how do you do it? I mean, how do you find the You know, the wherewithal to get up every morning and do what is incredibly hard work to begin with under the best of weather conditions. But you're describing it's been a miserable summer, it's been hot, it's not like you're out there in air conditioner every day what keeps you going? It's the
2: love of doing it. I mean, they always talked about there's nothing prettier than a little baby calf that's born alive, that's nursing his mama, and a two-inch range. So, you mean, it's the love of doing it. And like myself, too, I raise show cattle, too, and it's always the love to try to make them a little better and a little better and a little better. You know, sometimes you do your best and it doesn't work, but you keep trying and trying and trying.
1: Right. So one of the things you talked about what makes it tough is, we got to get a little help from other nature every now and then one of the biggest things is inputs and co-op that input that we have control over is feed um, we're working on lowering some feed prices now that we're getting out of harvest but you have an understanding of both of both sides um, how does the commodity market correlate and affect the cattle market
2: okay everybody has an opinion so i'm going to give you my <laughs> opinion of this is cheap grain doesn't always make high-priced cattle. I mean, I actually, we need the farmers. At $4 corn, they don't make much money. We need them to stay alive and make commodity corn for us to use. Uh, I actually feel like, you know, corn has to bring $5 or more for those guys to stay in business. And when, the, when grain's real cheap, these feedlots, what they'll do is they've got a cheap cost of grain, so they're going to feed these cattle a little bigger and a little bigger because it's, they're, they're making money. But in turn, we're putting so much more beef back on the table that way. So that's why I'm not always a big, people always say cheap grain makes higher price cattle. That's not true. We all need to work together. The farmers need to make a living
0: just like the cowboys need to make a living. Amen. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, um, Mandy Dillon knows all about this. I know nothing about this. I want to go back to the calving. When you talk about calving, for people that don't know, people like me that are listening to this show and are involved in this industry, are you talking about actually delivering? What it is is most of the time
2: they will calf naturally on their own. But with this intense heat, they need some shade. I mean, if there's no shade, and, and you just have to make sure that these babies get to the shade that first week or so. After that, you know, they realize, hey, it's cooler in the shade, and I'm going to go over there on my own. But the first few days, they just don't understand that, and this heat is... It's 10 degrees above normal this year, so these babies will just fry. The other thing is a lot of guys are having cows calving from one week to one month early. And my theory is it's just too hot carrying this big old calf inside of her like that, and it's so hot they're just calving early. So there is some death loss. There's some, you know, premature babies and things like that just because of this heat. Short term, feel good about things. Long term, I feel real good about the cattle market. I mean, every time I think I have it figured out, I'm wrong. But I mean, I feel real good with these numbers being this low. There's so many people. Uh, beef industry's doing a good job trying to promote beef. Uh, I mean, I think it's gonna be good. But we do need a little help. I mean, we cannot feed these things out of a bucket or out of a hay rack for 12 more
0: months. We need a little help. Well, I appreciate you joining us on the show. Thank you so much, and I hope you get all the help you need from the weather and everything else. Horse, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you so very kindly. You're very welcome. I'm very proud of the company that I worked for for 38 years, and they're doing a great job. And they got a podcast
2: now, which is cool. <laughs> that is cool. <laughs> 38 years ago. You probably never thought that was going to be never, a thing. <laughs> never thought. Where I came from, is a long time ago. We didn't have anything like this, so this is a
0: wonderful program you've been putting I have on. to say last thing, because we're we're a similar generation. I always tell people... You you don't know what life was like before computers, cell phones, and social media unless you lived through it. One of the things that has always appealed to me about this work that y'all do is it's timeless. In some ways, it never really changes, does it? That is correct. Yes,
2: exactly right. I mean, it's still hands-on work. Yes, there's a lot of computer involvement, but it's still hands-on work to get the product into the bag and to the customer
0: that needs it. Absolutely. Thank you again so very much, Horace. You're very welcome. Before Mandy Joe and I wrap it up, I want to remind you to head on over to our website. It's right there in the episode description and check out our online feed catalog. Everything you need. Feed your herd with the champions Z. And thank you so much for listening. We had a term when I was growing up. People would say that guy assaulted the earth. Horace was Salt of the earth. Hey, listen, we've been doing this a year now, and so I've got to tell you, manager, one of the things that I found so interesting about this business of yours is how it corresponds to the way I grew up. I grew up in a military community, in a military family, and knew that I was headed in that direction. I've met so many people like yourself. You grew up in it, and you just knew, I think at some point, probably very young, that you're going to be doing this your whole life.
1: Yeah, it's a passion that's instilled from people from day one. Um, it's a labor of love. love, um, And like Horace says, you know, every day is you have to wake up and be optimistic, but I think that there's no better place to raise a kid or raise a family or grow up in than the ag industry. And I think that's proof that people stay in it because of that. Yep.
0: Um, a year into doing the podcast, have there been anything that surprised you?
1: I'm surprised that we're still doing it. <laughs> <laughs> I think we're getting better at it. I'm excited. Every time we do one, I get fired up knowing that we're going to get to talk to some great people and get the word out there. So I'm really happy about it.
0: Well, I told you last time, one of the reasons I've become such an advocate for this, and I've practiced doing this as quickly as possible, that what you said last last month about the farm to table, this has always been my thing. I cannot stand for people to be hungry. I've never been hungry breakfast, lunch, and dinner church on Sunday my whole life. But if you grew up in the church the way I did, right down Farm Road 78 from here in Converse, Texas, at St. Monica's Catholic Church, a couple times you would have what was called the potluck dinner. Everybody brings something. Mm -hmm. And my brother and I, being veterans of many of those, we knew to get in line first because we had plenty of people at St. Monica's Catholic Church who were too lazy to make something. (laughs) They would go get Kentucky Fried Chicken and pizza, and that's the stuff the kids – Wanted. You didn't want Auntie M's green bean raisin scallion casserole <laughs> or whatever. And so we're there waiting one night to go in to, to get our you know Dixie plate full of food. And this guy walks up. and well, we would call in those days a drifter or a hitchhiker, young guy. And he asked, Do y'all have any free food here? Now we were little kids. I mean, I was not even in junior high school. So we don't know. So the moms come out, and of course they give this guy. I mean, they, they filled this plate full of food. And for the rest of my life, I will never forget the way he ate it. I guess the word is he devoured it. He inhaled it. And when he was finished, he took that little spork and went around in concentric circles to get every bit of it. Then he folded up the plate, and then he chewed on the plate just to get what was left. And that had such an impact on me that I've I've always wanted to make sure people have food. If I won the lottery, that's the first thing I would donate money to because it to me it is the most one of the most basic human needs. I've heard about intermittent fasting, I'm not going to try I'm it, fasting. I'm not interested in that. I want to be able to eat a couple meals a day right. and, and I can't make any food in the subdivision and I've said this to you many times, when I moved into my house I could look over my back fence and see cattle and now there's just hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of homes and it seems like every new subdivision is taking the place of a farm. And that's what concerns me.
1: Yeah, it's getting harder and harder, but, you know, like I said a hundred times, it's a passion project. It's easy to wake up and know it's a labor of love because every decision and every move that you make on any given day is going to impact, you know, your herd health or your crop health. And at the end of the day, that's going to go into the food chain. So people are passionate about it. They do the best they can every day to be safe and efficient to make the best product for the consumer.
0: Well, it's been awesome. Happy one-year anniversary. My name is Jason Dias. Her name is...
1: Mandy Joe. And
0: until next month, we'll talk to you soon.
1: Well, life on the farm is kind of laid back. Ain't much an old country boy like not hack. It's early to rise, early in the sack. Thank God I'm a country boy. Well, a simple kind of life never did me no harm. Raising me a family and working on the farm. My days are all filled with an easy country charm. God, I'm a country boy. Well, I got me a fine wife. I got me old fiddle. And the sun's coming up. I got cakes on the brittle. And life ain't nothing but a fun and fun and riddle. Thank God I'm a country boy. When the work's all done and the sun sets.